It's time to get out of that rank you've been stuck in as we cover three crucial and often overlooked tips that will help you level up from bronze to grandmaster. Plus, Catalyst asks, how good is Street Fighter V now, and what does that mean for Street Fighter VI? And finally, who are the top five best DLC characters in Street Fighter V to date, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Green. With me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello. Thank you guys for watching yet another week. We are uh, back with another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I've That's... been having a pretty good week. Um, are you just agreeing? Oh yeah, no. Welcome back to another episode. You were saying it with such enthusiasm. I was like, yes. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Like, comment, subscribe, all the good stuff. Yeah, we're, yeah. You know, I've, been, I've been having, uh, well, I mean, anyone that's created a YouTube channel and tried to get it off the ground knows the the struggles. It's it's interesting because you're constantly bombarded with all of these uh, these things like, you know, it takes a while and you got to wait for your first big hit and don't focus on other people and other channels, but also sample from them and this is what you should do and, and all of these different like mixed signals and they all have their places. But you pair that all with the emotion of like post a video watch the watch the numbers go up or you know or, or not and and things along those lines and it's a it's a ride but i have been having a good time doing it and you know that's because of everybody that, that checks this out so thank you guys so much um i won't bore you too much with uh sappy youtube romantic stuff but i will get us started here with something a little bit saucier <clears throat> i have a rage quitter this week mm. his name or her name is dragon asmodeus and it was a Rashid player, and uh, man, how do you how do you play one of the best characters in the game, and then also when when someone's about to beat you, rage quit? How do you do that? It's called privilege, John. It is the privilege that to deny you from your wins, either through the gameplay, or just through if you actually somehow manage to outplay them, which is almost impossible, to deny you that pleasure still. So that <laughs> that is exactly what you would expect from a Rashid player. But maybe, maybe those, not. So darn machine player. Save, of course, for JB, whom we know personally and oh, is JB's a good guy. Awesome. He's a, yeah, there, there are there are a few good JB or JB players. I was gonna say a few good Rashid players. JB is one of them. Uh, he's actually really awesome, and he owns all the Rashid privilege he's got. And again, if if you own it, if you're like, hey, you know what? I play X character, and X character can do this, this, and that. Uh, basically, the exact opposite of Demon Curse. You're okay, and I go so. <laughs> <laughs> love you demon curse don't, don't ever change we appreciate yeah, I, you. I love him too he's great it's like he he actually i i will genuinely read his comments just be like what kind of like cami filter did you put everything through today to like make this come out cami like i i, I swear he's got like a forehead tattoo that just says like cami on that or cami rules or something like that. and if he doesn't i'm gonna be disappointed but uh anyway and you a know, dive John... kicking cami tramp stamp okay so uh <laughs> by the way i set you up perfectly there to say well last week we did a segment all about the psychology of rage quitting which i will say it's it's up where am i it's up there i don't know yeah, yeah i think that's right it's up there in the corner right now you can right click on that and uh, save it for after this segment. Okay, so uh, what's the first thing we want to talk about this week? Oh, I know. It is uh, tips from how to get from bronze to silver. Uh, I got three of them. Now, I say bronze to silver because that's where I think the majority of people that are looking for this kind of content um, or looking for this kind of help uh, are at in the kind of the, the gap that they're trying to make it across. But hear me clearly when I say this applies to silver, to gold, to platinum, to diamond, to master, to grandmaster. I'm currently a, a grandmaster um, and I can tell you that I practice these things and, and that having put them into the forefront of my practice routine in recent months, I have seen uh, very clear improvements because of them. These are things that just like uh, if you're playing basketball, you you shoot your free throws even though you've made a free throw before, even though you understand the concept of free throws pretty good. It doesn't matter. You need to keep your chops sharp. And these things are very simple and I think often overlooked. 
and you fix this stuff and man you will skyrocket i mean i don't want to make it sound like too good to be true but you will climb through the ranks and it doesn't matter if you're in bronze it doesn't matter if you're in silver it doesn't matter if you're in diamond you can get better at this stuff and if you do you will start to see some win streaks and you will start to see some rank ups um and so the first one of these actually uh, and, me... i just want to i mention this because I, i've seen some of our commenters on the um you know uh, youtube on our website and other stuff and just say hey i've been stuck in silver for you know a year or two and stuff and it's like yes and what the most important thing here is that you make changes to grow from that and, mm -hmm. and that's what john's going to outline here is like hey these these are new things to implement uh or you might know about them but like implementing them and really you know diving into hardcore it makes a difference it will help get you out of those ranks it's not the only thing uh you know you, there might be problems like as an individual you have that we you know can't pinpoint but these concepts are really, really, really important. Uh, I've, you know, I've had to revisit these a lot with learning a brand new character. It's like, oh man, like here's the one on one basic combos. Like I, I'm still like even to this day, I, I'm Grandmaster still with uh, with Rose, and I'm I'm struggling with some of my uh, crush counter punishes. And those are like some of the things that you usually work out first handful of months of playing a character. Well, I'm still in the first handful of months of playing my character, and I haven't gotten all my crush counter punishes down yet because uh, I got 50 of them. Um, it's actually kind of a nice problem to have. But uh, but anyway, John, back back to you. I just wanted to set that up that, like, don't get too frustrated with the stuff we're saying. Like, you know, we're here to help. Like, we really genuinely want to help people. Uh, and just gradually work your way through this stuff. It's, it's you know, that's what it's there for. Oh, yeah. And crush counter punishes and knowing how to do them, that's absolutely a thing. It's not one of the things on today's list, but I, I hear you loud and clear that I've missed many of a punisher not known. I've realized I'm playing a character, uh, a new character, and I just didn't know what to do when a crush counter situation uh, presented itself. But um, so so the first one in here, uh, well, I want to preface it all with normally we you, we go to the neutral. We go to with punishing and keeping like standing your ground and poking and confirming and things like that. And yes, that is one of the most foundational things things that you can do in a Street Fighter game, it is very important, but it is the means to getting to the big damage, to getting to the advantageous situations. And that's, you can see why it would be important. Uh, and at the highest levels of play, you're not getting to those situations without traversing the neutral like an expert because someone like Shan or Fujimura or Daigo or whomever, they're not going to give you any free ends and or many free ends or many mm -hmm. free opportunities. So you have to manipulate your way there through the neutral. But man, if you're in silver, if you're in... If, if you're in diamond, if you're in master, you're going to get a lot more opportunities for free from your opponents or for less than than what you would have to do against these other higher level players. And so when I, I say that to say, yes, neutral is important. Yes, you should practice it. But if you were to compare it to something like basketball, neutral would be like your ball handling and your ability to create a lane to get to the hoop. But it doesn't mean diddly squat if once you get there, you can't dunk the ball or you can't make the layup or you can't shoot the open shot. You have to be able to make the basket to begin with. And that's where I'm going to start with this is, is actually taking advantage once you're there in these scenarios where you are, um, you know, at advantage. And so practicing, <laughs> this is something that's so basic, but so important practicing meaty timings, just manually timed meaty moves on your opponent's wake up is oh, how many times have you gone for pressure on your opponent's wake up and woke, they woke up, they counter hit you and then into a combo, into V-trigger activation, into some kind of mixy uppy reset, into stun, into you're dead. And it was all because you mistimed a meaty. That's happened to all of us, right? I mean, I, I assume it's happened to you, John. Oh, Right. In the last, you know, two sessions you played, <laughs> pretty much like, like how many times am I not botching a, a, a meaty timing, basically? You know? Yeah, and it's it, I missed one of them, and I'm pretty upset with myself. And there mm -hmm. it is. So it's and it's uh, hard to do yep. in this game. Like, yeah. it, and it's so important. It's important in most fighting games, but it's especially a, a huge part of Street Fighter Five. I think that's undeniable. And of course, I'm meaning when you get someone knocked down with something like a sweep, where you have the time to actually apply apply pressure. And imagine it this way. What if you could just flip a switch and every single time you were in this scenario where you mean to apply pressure on your opponent's wake up, you, t you perfectly time it. What if? How many rounds? How many matches? How many sets? How many tournaments would you have won if you just had that on lock? Now, sure, you're going to get woke up DP'd sometimes. That's part of the game. But if you didn't ever get woke up counter hit when you didn't mean to or when you, when you didn't leave that open as an option, 
oh my gosh, the increase that you can make is is drastic. And so the way to practice this is, is fairly simple. You go into the um, the training mode and uh, pick, a, pick an opponent that has a three-frame jab or a three-frame move that they can wake up and do. Set them to do that. And then set them to do random wake-ups, which means they can either not wake up quickly at all, they can do a, a wake-up uh, back roll, or they can do a quick get-up. Now you have to then knock them down with something like a sweep and then practice whatever your move is to, to put pressure on them as they wake up, your meaty option, practice with the different timings, not knowing when it's going to happen. And I, I have some footage that I already recorded uh, to put up here during this segment as, as examples. You'll see I, who, who practice this stuff fairly regularly, don't even get it every time. You know, yeah. because especially characters like Zeku who have these, I know that they said they fixed it and I'm sure they did, but like there's some weird animations when people wake up and you can't really tell visually very effectively or it's like they seem a little different from the rest of the cast as to when their invisible hurt box is actually manifested or not. Um, but having this locked down is so important and it's something that I don't think many people do spend much time practicing. And you'll find, go into training mode and see how many times you miss it. Because every time you missed it and they woke up and jabbed you and they got counter hit think about what that means in a real match it's like mm -hmm. there's a lot of ground to be gained here so first one work on your meaty timings your manual meeting times and one of the easiest ways you can do to find uh, what meaty buttons you should be using is go in and look at the frame data and if you see a move has three active frames or more the active column is a really important part of this uh, if it has three active frames or more that should be a good meaty button for you uh, anything more than three is phenomenal but three is usually kind of like the sweet spot most moves i think are like kind of two uh, active frames uh, offhand and i mean you can do that like with a two frame active uh, move but you really want like um three or more is really mm -hmm. what you want to do so mm -hmm. All right. So the second tip I have is similar to the first, but it has to do with the specifics of your setups. And this is often also meaty timings. It can also be sort of like a, a resets, but even then you're, you're dealing with meaties most of the time. Um, and that is when your character gets particular hits, usually your bread and butter, um, you'll have scenarios where you can knock someone down and then it's like frame perfectly, mathematically, you can apply pressure and, and have them in certain situations where um, that you are at a very high advantage. And so uh, with Nikali, this is something, obviously the character that I play, this is something that I've been working with since the very beginning. This is like day two. You know, you learn how to do a fireball and an uppercut and stuff, and then you kind of learn your, your setups. And um, I, I can tell you, again, I played this game for a couple of years, not spending a ton of extra time specifically focused on training this. And I was noticing that in my routine setups, which is his target combo into V-Skill 1 ground pound, double forward dash. Um, when he does that, depending on how the opponent wakes up, he has some frame airtight frame perfect scenarios where the onus is on them to uh to defend against them but he's got a great advantage if they back roll he can command grab or he can do a medium button and it's uh it's very meaty but if they quick rise he has to do a jab or else he's going to get hit and to be able to see this very regularly regular uh scenario that happens in virtually every round that nikali plays uh, it's not all that easy, and and I, what something that I found was that when I took this into training mode and I had my opponent set to uh, randomly do one of these wake-ups and I would try just to be able to react and to whichever one they did and set my setup both, uh, you know, do the right route and do it airtight, I found that my natural feeling, my, my, my personal like radar for this was slightly off. If I was hitting someone in an actual match, it was because they were late, because I felt like the actual window was a little bit later than it actually was. And when I took it into training mode, I found that I was I was getting counter hit almost every time by the computer that was just, you know, robotically doing the wake up jab exactly at the same time every time. And I had to adjust what it felt like to my fingers for this to, to work. And, and you know what? Sure enough, I do this. I spend about an hour over a couple of different sessions and I don't want to burn yourself out, but a couple of different sessions, spend an hour and 
applying this and seeing it work in the actual gameplay when you're actually playing online or with friends or locally or whatever is really satisfying and it's mm -hmm. again it's not glamorous it's a very fundamental routine like you learn it on day two and you just kind of file it away as part of your arsenal but man you know understanding these things and having them airtight is the difference between rounds and again imagine if you could have this airtight every single time how many more rounds matches tournaments would you win it's a lot. So, um, I, and again, I have some footage up here so you can see in, in the Nikali example how to do it, um, how to set things up with the uh, with the training dummy and whatnot. And and if you don't know what your characters is, there's a lot of resources on YouTube. You can go around and people have put out bread and butters. They put out um, bread and butters, by the way, being the uh, the go to routine sequences that your character does in certain scenarios, like the the routine punish, um, things along those lines. And, and you can really find what your best optimal routes and setups are. So know your setups, of course, and then make them airtight by training with them. And again, these things are not things where you have to be like, all right, now I'm going to spend an hour in training mode doing this and then an hour in training mode practicing manual timed meaties. No, but while you're waiting for a ranked match, set one of these scenarios up and play these little games where you see how many times in a row you can make these things work versus how many times did you get hit and therefore maybe even lost a round because of it, especially if you're playing against a, you know, v trigger g or someone like that and then the uh final tip that i have is is uh ah, i've said this before but it's so important i'll say it again how many times are you missing anti-airs in your uh, if you go back and you watch your replays how many times did you have the opportunity to dp and you didn't do it or you were uh, late I'm... or whatever I'm feeling personally freaking assaulted. Attacked? With this. <laughs> it is, it, oh, man. I, it, it is a nightmare. This is one of the things I hate looking at in replays the most. And But I've also, like, playing Rose and playing Monat, your anti-airs have to be on point. I'm, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I probably, like, I mean, pound for pound with Monat, I think I had the best anti-air game in Street Fighter V. Uh, I was better than Sako, better than Infiltration. I was really good at anti-airing and doing it within uh, uh, threading the needle and stuff because uh, I played against Abigail, played against Nikali. I had to learn to anti-air really, really, really well, and I'm more of a neutral-based base player. Uh, um, Infiltration's more of a keep-away. Uh, Sako's more of a setup combo kind of person. I'm more of a neutral-based player, so anti-airs are extremely important to how I play. And even then, I go back and watch my own footage, and I'd be like, I'm my timing's just like I'm trading a lot, you know, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's just like, so it kind of doesn't matter how good you are, so to speak, with anti airs. Like, it's there's always room for improvement there. And in this game, uh, the reward for jumping in is just so huge. And so, just taking an extra five minutes to stick, you know, Ryu or someone else as a training dummy and jump forward and just really work on your spacing and timing, it's really helpful. And it's just something I can't like recommend highly enough. It's one of those things that it's it's a little bit harder to try to recreate this in training mode because it's it's really like a reaction based on you not knowing when it's coming and like you can kind of set that sort of a thing up if you maybe put a couple of different scenarios uh, recorded scenarios and you don't know which one's coming and you try not to pay attention to the big obvious number in the middle of the screen that tells you which one's coming um, but but really it's the process that really helped me here was I knew that I wasn't getting as many as I wanted to, which is all of them, right? Like, again, imagine if you anti-aired every single time you could, how, how different of a game that would be. But I knew that I could improve this because we all can. And I was really feeling it like I was frustrated because so many times I was missing opportunities and the sway that comes from missing a jump in or getting a jump in is so huge. Even when they're blocked, the the, the gain that you get from uh, from jumping in and your opponent blocking is still really good in this game. And so I, uh, I did go into training mode and I did do a little bit of, you know, have characters jump and just, you know, again, get the feel for it. And then um, one of the things you can do is, uh, depending on your character, Nikali's rushdown, right? So you have him in the corner a lot. And a lot of times there will be neutral jumps there, especially because he has a command grab. So again, I don't know how many uh, characters this applies to as much, but... Um, even like when you when you tune your your anti airs um, enough and and you focused on them enough so that they become second nature, even when an opponent like neutral jumps in your face, you'll have the ability to to anti air DP them, and that's really good. Um, so I I set up a few things, but really that wasn't. I don't think that was really where my my progress came from. One, the thing that you want to do is is make sure that you are not over committing to things in the neutral so that you have the opportunity 
to anti-air. And I don't mean just fireballs. Fireballs are, I think, the most obvious thing that people are jumping over. Uh, but it's also bigger normals that are just heavy commitments that if you were to throw this normal out and someone jumps, you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to be recovered in time to deal with them coming in. And they're either going to have to block or you're going to take a full anti or take a full jump in. So maybe you're committing a little bit too much in neutral and that's something to maybe pay attention to. Maybe slow it down a little bit and be ready for these jump ins a little more often. But also go into casual and uh, so so not ranked. I mean you can do it in ranked if you're uh, if you're crazy and you don't mind but losing that sweet sweet LP that's uh, identity and character defining. But go into casuals and play a game where you're paying more obvious attention and um, uh, with your focus overly on making sure you have anti-airs right it's like it's not about winning or losing it's about making sure you don't get jumped in on and for you a win is you don't get jumped in on and maybe you're playing in a, in a slightly different way where all you're trying to do is goad your opponent into jumping now you can't get too mechanical here because if they sniff this out then they're gonna there's probably gonna be a really easy counter to what you're doing and then they're just gonna roll you over and you're not gonna really get to practice what you're trying to do here but you can make it uh, make an effort to set your opponent up to do more jump-ins and to have that honed in ability and your brain the more you do it the more you do it successfully your brain will start to make those uh, you know those pathways to your fingers and you'll start to do it more and more without thinking about it and and maybe you have a command uh anti-air maybe you have an invincible uppercut um whatever your most effective one is and and by the way some characters have both money characters that have dps have both should probably be doing dps more often um and you know practice it this way and you can always do more there are uh, there's crosscut dps and such for people that are jumping over you this is a very simple very go-to obvious kind of thing that happens in virtually every round and yet it's something that like those free throws you should practice virtually every time you sit down to play street fighter so nothing Tokido, fancy Tokido got to this part of the video and said that's what i need to do with anti-airs and <laughs> there it is so you click on like right now i can see it so Yes, and if you want to be like Tokido, you should click like too. And hey, leave a comment while you're doing it. Um, so yeah, that, those are my three things to help you get from bronze to grandmaster. Let's be realistic about it. Bronze to grandmaster. There we go. So, all right, y'all. I wanted to talk about how good Street Fighter V is now and what that means for Street Fighter VI. Uh, Street Fighter V, of course, it's had a really rocky road. We, we've been over this a million times before. Not going to hit it hard, but based on a recent poll that we did, which we're going to put up here, it has close to a thousand responses and counting, and people think the game is overall in a good spot. I was actually a little bit surprised by the results here, uh, but I do think if we ask the same question about Street Fighter Four, the responses would be even a bit, you know, a good bit more positive. Mm -hmm. But still, it's clear close to 40% of the people who responded feel the game is in a good spot right now. Uh, the main complaint by far was the game's netcode. Uh, I asked for people to comment on like, hey, what don't you like? What what do you see? And like the netcode hands down was like the number one response from people hate the netcode. And I'm like, yeah, I, that's been echoed extremely well. Uh, I, I hate talking too much about how I feel about the game's netcode. I don't think it's like, you know, strive level or anything like that, but like I generally have pretty positive experiences, but I know that's not the case for a lot of people and that's really unfortunate. I don't so. think it's the case for most people playing on PlayStation. Uh, I think that if you haven't made the jump from PlayStation to PC or haven't given it a session on PC uh, with an, an, an ample sample size, Dude, it, it's a lot different. There's a yeah. drastic difference. And I'm not yeah. saying that it's perfect on PC, but the hardware change in my experiences in online matches and, and beyond load times and a lot of other things too. But the online experience when I jumped from PS4 to PC was notably different and I would not go back. Sony, please sponsor the show. Okay, anyway, so unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see a lot of improvements with Street Fighter Six on the very near horizon. This season wasn't supposed to happen. It's possible Capcom could do some improvements to the netcode. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. But the game is going to be rebalanced here in a major way uh, one more time here in the fall of the year. Uh, and they're going to be adding, um, uh, adding brand new code that helps to alleviate online issues, unless it was something Capcom already had in the works. It just, it seems super unlikely. Like, it, it's... This code can kind of have unintended side effects and other stuff, and it can, it just kind of like is what it is at a certain point. Um, but I do feel like Capcom is definitely rewriting the code for Street Fighter 6 and Netcode uh, because the current title's uh, code is about six years old at this point in time. And they should have learned a lot about how to make smoother gameplay over the internet. Look no further than Guilty Gear Strive uh, as an example of how good Netcode, you know, can kind of be in this day and age. 
Um, but I have to say that the recovery for Street Fighter V overall is reasonably impressive. Uh, most other games would have died off if they faced the same problems that this game did. Uh, it sold over uh, 5.5 million copies to date, and you could argue that would actually be about 7 million or so if it was on uh, other consoles. And that's, that's a pretty, you know, low-end estimate there. Uh, 1.5 million copies on, like, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo consoles, that's not a lot to ask for this game. Um, but the fervor that Capcom fighting games have sometimes inspired, I don't think we're ever going to see from this one. Uh, we are seeing it from other franchises though, like Smash Ultimate, Tekken, Mortal Kombat. For the most part, those games are really well received by their communities for the most part. I know that there's some people who are like, hey, you know, like Tekken is, you know, this one's like, you know, my least favorite, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, like you, you look at the sales, you look at the DLC support, you look at the tournaments, how many people are playing them. I know that there's some old guard who do not like some of these, you know, more modern iterations, but sure. you look at the the success from a business standpoint and it's really hard to argue with what we've seen from this modern era. It, it's extremely good where Capcom definitely has taken a step back from what Street Fighter 4 was, right? So... The, the biggest takeaway I think I can give this moment in time in terms of what we're seeing with Street Fighter uh, Five is that it's it's not a big failure, but nor is it a big success. It's kind of like this kind of middle, like it's it's a solid game. It's like it's pretty good. I and, and with that though, like with the game being as dicey as it's been business wise, and and some of the you know the decisions, the netcode, all this other kind of stuff we we just went into, I think it's really clear that some aspects of the gameplay. There, there are big time fans of this and you and I complain about, you know, the gameplay and the balance quite a bit more than other people in the community I see because we care a lot about this game being extremely well balanced and, and just, you know, taking care of like to a high degree. Uh, if you play some of the characters in this game, I don't necessarily think you care about the balance that much. <laughs> um, it, it, like, look, if you're playing, uh, I'll just throw the same out there, Cammy, I highly doubt you really care like uh, that much about how Falk players are experiencing this game. Right. It's like it's all about you. It's all about like, well, I mean, I've I've got all this and stuff. But you and I, we care about that a lot. But, you know, again, that's maybe not the vast majority of gamers. The vast majority of gamers seem to be pretty happy with like where this game is. And it's just like it really came back to the netcode. So anyway, I think going back to it, the gameplay wise, I think with the next title, they're going to have this game is going to have a pretty heavy influence on what Street Fighter six is. Uh, and the bottom line to me is that it's hard to argue against what Street Fighter five has done against all odds from a gameplay perspective because people have had every chance to bash the gameplay on this game and they they've done it in parts but that has not been the major complaint and so i think street fighter 6 is going to to be more offensive based i think that capcom's going to be like look like this was not really a problem here like when people talked about you know the rushdown and other stuff yeah it was too intense it was you know the the 12 out of 10 that we talked about before and they dialed it back to i mean it, comparing street fighter 5 to street fighter 4 right now john like what would you say the offense is uh comparatively like like how much more offensive base is street fighter 5 than 4 would you, would well, you say are you talking that? about how it exists right now or yeah, how it generally right how it's been? Like, and, and are you saying when people respond to it, you're talking about throughout the, the history of the game or where it is right now in season five after where two it is right balance now. patches? Yeah, mostly where yeah. it is right now. So so where it is right now, yeah, I think that it's it's there's still a, a decent bit of offense to it, but it's not so overwhelming and it's not so unbalanced by some defensive options that it's it's palatable and it's relatively fun. Um <laughs> Uh, and but to answer your question in terms of like this versus Street Fighter Four, oh, I'd say the offense is something like I mean the the there were some pretty gnarly vortex situations, but again we're talking about the end of these games, right? And where so where Ultra ended up, oh, I'd say if like you know if there's a one to ten scale, Street Fighter Five is probably two notches above where Street Fighter Four would be, something like that. Um, so that a two notch kind of gap between the two. Yeah, that that's that seems pretty fair to me. And but I look at that and I go, you know the community kind of responds to that. The community has generally said like offenses, we want more offense. And when these games are too defensive, just kind of not going to keep with them. And I think that was, that's something we're going to see continue into street fighter six, where the game is tilted more towards offense. And it just, it's kind of hard to argue with the success of doing that. Right. And, um, and if you look at the history of Capcom fighting games, like, uh, um, like let's say street fighter three, um, super street fighter four, uh, and a few other games, like again, and street fighter cross tech and too defensive, too neutral based. It's just, it's there definitely some of the stuff, but people want those fireworks. It sounds like you wanted to jump in there, John. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I think uh, if I'm trying to 
trying to articulate the the idea here people the, the, maybe the most important thing is to have fun offense right because at the core of your game when you say i want to play a fighting game there's all these different things you're going to do you're going to defend you're going to play neutral and you're going to play offense and there's more to it than that but maybe you could say those are the three main pillars and of those three things you can get satisfaction through doing a good job of any of them uh, but i think the most consistent and the most overarching uh, one that is perceived as the most fun is certainly the offense. Like there, it's just that's you're playing a fighting game. What are you like? You want to punch someone, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like those other things exist because if you didn't, then punching someone wouldn't mean as much. Right. So it adds to the meaning. But really, it's like in a certain sense, most roads lead to offense when it comes to why the game is is fun. And so I do think that needs to be the main thing. And so Street Fighter V certainly hit that from the very beginning. Like it's, it was fun to be on offense and just absolutely murder your opponent like mercilessly and not give them a chance. But then the other, the other side of that is that, well, it was super not fun to be on defense and as big of a part of the game. And then like neutral was kind of like whatever, just who cares about that? Go to offense. And there was a way too much of, a, of an emphasis there. So maybe something like to, to broadly come from where, where a developer might um how they might set themselves up and organize themselves it's like make sure first and foremost that the offense is there and that it's fun but then whatever you put into that offense kind of document it and have something else to put on the other side of the scales to say look there is a balance to this there is an answer for this and that way you don't have one that just takes off and and becomes ridiculous while the other two are, are are then naturally kind of hobbled as a result of it and you might look at I, i'm no expert here but guilty gear strive everyone talks about the offense everyone talks about the amount of damage that that's done and yet they're still widely saying that it's it's a fun game um there it's certainly not you know overly balanced or anything like that but there are also a handful of mechanics that on the defensive side you know the dust and and things like that where you can kind of get out of things and if you get hit, it's like, yeah, it's, it's about offense and the offense is really fun. But there are enough answers where I feel like I'm still in control and it still matters. You know, the whole thing is still enough of a balance that it matters and it ultimately is fun. So that's kind of my way of, uh, of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Finishing this up here, I, I think that when Street Fighter V is no longer the centerpiece FGC title for Capcom, which is not too far away, there's going to be a lot of people who actually miss this game and keep on playing it. Like I, I'm a lot being relative to, you know, like just kind of what we've heard about this game. It's like, I think this game has enough fans where we'll see something of what Street Fighter 4 is seeing right now. Um, and then, you know, kind of taking these lessons forward into Street Fighter 6, like I, Street Fighter 6 is going to have a good bit of Street Fighter 5 in it. Like this is not going to be, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we're going to get like the, the total version of Street Fighter 4 that we should have had. It's like, nah, man, like Street Fighter 4 came and went. Like it, it's, it's, it's going to have influence and it always will. Like this is how street fighter titles work. They always evolve and sometimes they evolve in ways people do not like, uh, but Capcom always builds on that foundation and your next game has flavors of those old titles, but it's just flavors. It is very rarely a recreation of what you knew in the past. And it's kind of like, Hey, it's get used to this new thing because that's what we're going to have. It's, it's gotta be a new thing. And when Capcom does not do a new thing, we get Capcom fighting evolution, which was not well received. And there's been a lot of times where Capcom's tried to reiterate on, on what they've done before. And people are like, this is not new enough. Uh, that was actually a huge complaint with uh, super street fighter two turbo. Uh, it was like, okay, like we've where's street fighter three, you know, kind of thing. Like you've iterated on this game. Like so many times we've, we've got this, like quit doing the same thing, do something new. Um, and, and that has been, you know, so this is kind of what we're coming into. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like, you know, what, what fans can kind of expect here for street fighter six in terms of a gameplay perspective. Uh, and just like, you know, there's, there's going to be some street fighter five flavors coming in there. Uh, but of course it should be its own thing. And there it is. Right on. All right. And finally up for this week, we did, a, I think it was two weeks ago now, the worst DLC characters in Street Fighter V. So this time we're going to talk about the five best DLC characters in Street Fighter V. And I do not mean just the most powerful in terms of tier placement. Now that is a factor in this equation. But when I say DLC characters, I'm thinking in terms of these are uh, these DLC is a very matter of fact part of the uh, fighting game experience, the general gaming experience. And DLC is now like from a business standpoint and from a relationship with your fan um, standpoint, it's a way to 
continue or to get people to continue to play your game and to perhaps get new people to play your game and to refresh the hype and send new surges and new attention and update and keep it flashy even after the grand opening. And so in fighting games, the the biggest uh, DLC contributor in this avenue is, of course, new characters. And so uh, the, the worst sin that a new DLC character can have is to to cause a sense of apathy. People don't care about it. And of course, Falk ended up being that character in the uh, in the worst. So now when I look at the best, I want to see the characters that make the biggest splashes that are actually played consistently by people when we look at the rankings that Capcom releases monthly for the for the CFN or the Shadowloop page. And and then also there's a there's another kind of a little more subjective category uh, and that is do they live up to their potential? And by that, I mean, well, if a character like Jury is coming in and she's already got a massive fan base, well, she's already got a ton of momentum, you're expecting more from that particular splash because you already have people that it's like, oh, Jury's in, I'm in. I don't even care after that. Like, I, I really hope they do a good job. I expect they do a good job, but like, I'm downloading this, I'm, I'm paying for it, I'm playing it for at least a while just because it's Jury or just because it's Sagat, right? So they have a relatively high bar because there's an expectation, but a brand new character like Falk or like Ed, hey, if if you get, you don't have to have as many people playing that character uh, to see a, a certain, uh, I would say a same level of success because they don't have that starting momentum. So they start at different places on the, uh, on the, you know, the, the racetrack, so to speak. So those are some things that I took into account when trying to put this list together. Uh, but let's kick it off with the most obvious, I think, uh, success, and that is Akuma. Mm -hmm. uh, love him or hate him. A lot of people hate him, and that's understandable, uh, because he has always been one of the absolute best, if not the best character in the game, and that's usually the case for Akuma. He's got a lot of expectation. He's been in virtually every Street Fighter game, and like every every like every time there's a guest in in uh, you know a Street Fighter guest, it's it's usually people with Akuma, save I guess for Smash Bros. But he's he's in there a lot of the time. And, John, John, uh, John. We never said it was Akuma. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shout outs to Ono. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. That I, I really bothered you. I, oh. You guys, just for those that don't know, when Ono, when they, they teased Akuma and they just showed like the, this, the sound of the raging demon and then his back with the lit up um, um, Wrath of the Raging, or the, uh, what's the, the term I'm looking for? The kanji. There it is. Uh, and, and it was like, it was very obviously Akuma. And then like the next day, or maybe the, later that day, Ono tweeted like, we never said it's Akuma. Who knows who it is? And then you latched onto that. Like this liar, this guy, it's like, we, what is he doing here? And you've never let that go. Uh, I Look, I love Ono for what he did for Street Fighter 4 and bringing it back and, yes. and what he did for the fighting games and, and like his infectious personality and other stuff like that. Like it's, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. But some of the stuff he said during his run, it's like, you just can't outright lie to people like you can tease him and mislead and stuff like that, but outright lying is like not okay. Like it, it, it's just, and it's like, you can get it hung up on technicalities and all this other kind of stuff. But some of the stuff he did was like, dude, why are you doing that, man? Like that, that just, it, it hurts your goodwill with your, your uh, audience kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that we talked about street fighter having no charisma. It's like, this is one of your marquee characters as you've, you've put them very high up here on the list. People should just be hype all around about just, hey, it's Akuma. This is one of the iconic fighting game characters. And you 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 troll them. And it's like, Ugh. yeah. So anyway, that, I digress. Well, so. despite Ono's best efforts, I still think Akuma <laughs> was an overwhelming yeah, success. Yeah, uh, He's been one of the strongest characters. And, and I said that would factor in earlier. If a character, if a DLC character is strong, they're naturally going to get more playtime. People are going to want to use them. And that is important. Don't break them. Don't make it pay to win. But you need to make them worth trying out and, and, and encouraged. And I think that very clearly was accomplished with Akuma. He continues to be one of the top three most played characters right up there with Ryu and Ken. Sometimes he's number four, but man, he's always up there. So everyone's playing him online. You see him plenty represented in tournament. Um, in the higher brackets of tournament, of course, Tokido most famously, but then you got other people that have that have really been making waves with him as well. And this Brandon, character has uh, from Singapore. He just qualified for the Intel World Open uh, with with uh, Ukuma. So yeah, Takamura, I think, crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm, uh, I, Brandon is like not as well known as some of these other players who play Ukuma, but he's really good. So look out for him. He's he's great. So right on. And uh, so this character has been a reason for people to continue to play to pick up the game. Uh, I, I don't think there's much question to it, and he's been consistently popular. So Kuma number one. 
Number two, uh, similar vein, but I don't think he gets as much of a, of a splash, but still, Guile. Guile came out in season one, and he was a relatively decent character. He he actually made it to uh, the Capcom Cup Finals with Knuckle Dew in 2016, right? We've had a lot of interesting Guile players, like some Knuckle Dew, Kaba, uh, there's this guy named Daigo Umahara. So he's getting uh, you know plenty of, of attention. He's also one of the most popular characters when it comes to the CFN stats, usually ranking around in the top five or so. And, uh, and he's also one of those iconic original Street Fighter 2, you know, boys at the table kind of a thing. Uh, he doesn't have eyebrows. <laughs> I've had some <laughs> issues of, of, of mm-hmm. you know, with Guile being um, kind of overpowered at times. But again, that kind of feeds into, well, it makes people want to play him. And overall, I think he's been a really big success. I think a lot of people will have um, continued to play the game because he's in the game. And, uh, and with as many pros as he's attracted and uh, as often as he's used... As often, you know, a lot of people have downloaded this character. A lot of people have seen this as a worthwhile a thing to put more money, or if you're buying him through Fight Money, more time into uh, to get him on your console. And it's been more of a priority than most of the rest of the DLC characters. So pretty, you know, cut and dry there. But Guile has been one of the uh, the big wins in terms of DLC. I have to talk about Guile's skin flaps because he does not have eyebrows, but he has these like really crazy ass like skin flaps like where his eyebrows should be so it kind of looks like he has eyebrows but it's just like really intense skin just pronounced and, like yeah head. Mm, and yeah. so the question would be john if you had skin flaps like those where your eyebrows should be would you shave your eyebrows like guile does too i think you wouldn't have a, a choice right yeah. because you would have to do that kind of a yeah. thing it's like you got to embrace it it's halfway yeah. there don't be don't be lukewarm man go all the way exactly so that's what makes guile awesome <laughs> the only anyway. thing yeah uh okay so character number three this was uh this was interesting i did not plan to put this character on the list but when i was looking at stats and then thinking about it i guess he's on the list and that's kage kage hmm. is surprisingly popular yeah. he's never been one of the best although he did have the likes of daigo and now snake eyes although snake eyes hasn't been too much in the public eye he's got his his stream and he's he's a really strong player very entertaining to watch you can sniff out someone's weakness and just go for the juggler jugular like no other that i've ever seen or played against um and and but kage is uh is the main focus here he's one of the most played characters as well and i think a big part of that is because he's basically when if you're on the character select screen and you're choosing someone he looks a heck of a lot like ryu because he is ryu but he's the evil side of ryu which might be even more enticing ryu of course being the most played character almost every month sometimes like a new dlc comer will will outrank him but for the most part it's it's all about ryu and it's understandable the series poster boy well kage comes out and he's like the the evil bad boy side of ryu if you don't want to play the b-boy side of ryu and i think that he's been very attractive to a lot of people um he's been a little underwhelming when it comes to gameplay uh, although i will say he's fun i played yeah. kage for a good bit after he came out i think the character looks really cool he's fun to play he's he he has to work a little bit too hard and has a little bit not enough life for him to be a top tier in this game but you can really make things work with him decently well if you're willing to put the time in and, and willing to get like rolled over a couple of times but with how much he's played with how much of a splash he made now this was a lot of kage was somewhat overshadowed haha uh when when he came out because it was he they capcom fumbled the the launch of kage where they accidentally kind of leaked him like an hour before it was supposed to be shown and we all remember that and if you don't good for you um, and then it was followed by we're doing things differently. So his initial splash was there, um, but we we kind of quickly started to look at a lot of the negative things because that was right before Capcom went into a fairly dark period with SF5. But when he was revealed, there was a lot of interest for him. And, and I think a big part of it was because he was um, more so than a lot of other characters, sort of a tieback or callback to Street Fighter IV. Evil Ryu and his V-Skill 1, which was the only thing he had at the time, he didn't have two V-Skills at that point, was uh, very similar to a focus attack. And I think there was a lot of hype for him. Then you have people like Daigo giving him a fair shake and, and a fair shot and playing him a lot. Um, he's been very popular, and I think a lot of people will, again, pick up this game or continue to play this game or or at least download him and, and spend their money on him to, to play this character. And so I think he's checked a lot of the boxes that he was supposed to check and uh, sort of passed through with flying colors, even if, even if he's not the first one to come to mind. When you look at the numbers, it's like, man, Kage is kind of undeniable. 
Yeah, and he's actually um, uh, Evil Ryu uh, Kage is a throwback also to, to Street Fighter 3 Ryu, uh, like with his crouching medium kick and other stuff. And it's a really important thing when Capcom's designing DLC that they they make these kind of throwback characters. Like there's going to be the Street Fighter 5 throwback character in Street Fighter 6, right? That's definitely happening. Uh, maybe a few of them. And, you know... <laughs> Hopefully it's not Rashid, but we'll see. Um, but anyway, um, you know, it's it, it's but that style of gameplay, it's really important to have representatives, people who can do that kind of stuff. And, and the perfect characters to do are often Shotos, you know, because mm -hmm. like you have so many Shotos in this game. It's like, well, let's let's, you know, throw it back. And like even uh, Ken in Street Fighter V is a decent bit of a throwback to Super Street Fighter II Turbo Ken uh, with all his crazy kicks and how involved those moves are. They're a big part of his gameplay. So they've done some really cool stuff to bring back uh, and honor these previous games with specific characters. Characters, and I think Kage is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. um, so the uh, fourth spot here, it was initially just going to go straight up to uh, to Yurian. And the reason, Yurian's decently popular, not the most popular, but decently popular. And with how amazing he's been as a character, how undeniable uh, people have gravitated towards playing him. You know, there's always a Yurian around. There's always a Yurian in the tournament. There's he's he's not the not always in the quite the top ten most popular, but often so, and and certainly around in like the top fifteen in terms of CFN. Uh, the the character is always popping up, and uh, so I think he's driven a lot of uh, of of DLC sales. And he's not the funnest to fight against, but again, he's he's really good with a lot of the different things that he can do. But, and I was going to give the spot just solely to Yurian, and I guess this would technically make it five, but I'm actually giving two people, the or two characters, the number four spot. Everything that I can say about Yurian, I can also say about Balrog. So I gave Yurian and Balrog the same spot here in number four. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but since I'm the one making this list uh, and I get to make those rules, I just did that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's Yuri and Balrog here because they've just been, since they came out, there's been a strong representation. There's always been pro players playing both of these characters. They've been interesting enough. They've both been way overpowered at times, but that also helps here in this particular avenue. And uh, yeah, Yuri and Balrog, like you can't deny just how popular they've been, how often you see them when you're watching tournaments, when you're playing online, whatever it is, they're always around and you had to pay for them to get them. So, hey, good business move, Capcom. Yeah, and uh, I actually uh, really firmly agree with this. People might be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, Catalyst hates Urian. It's like, I don't like Urian's longevity at the top. Like, that's where my big issue is, is like, if you know, you know, this character has been so good for so long, and we've covered that in a previous video. But overall, I'm, I'm agreeing very heavily with what you said here, because when you're talking about DLC, you can see a marked difference between someone like Balrog or Urian versus Falk. Right. Like Balrog and Urian are all over tournaments. People play them. There's a lot of tech for them and other stuff. And so, yeah, overall, um, again, the only issue I have is like the longevity in terms of how good they've been for how long they've been. It's been a pain. Um, yeah. yeah. And so but but that's it. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So the last spot here, I have actually well, I have three characters. Two of them are going to be uh, honorable mentions and one's going to be our, our final spot. And I haven't been able to decide. So I wanted to sort of hash this out briefly with you. Okay, so I'm going to make my case quickly for all three of them. The uh, the first one is Seth. Seth came out uh, fairly recently, just in the last, uh, I guess, year and a half now. But Seth was one of those really OP characters that uh, everybody and their mother had a pocket Seth or mained him. And uh, just, just was very, very popular. Now has been nerfed down a bit, though. And here's where it's just not matter-of-fact Seth. is like as soon as the character was uh, nerfed a bit... People stopped playing, went from being in, you know, like the top 10, everybody using them to going like kind of in the middle of the pack. And I got to wonder, like, is the is the only momentum that Seth actually had how good he was? And um, so that's kind of the thing working against the the next character here is Sakura. Sakura had a lot of hype coming out, but she's also one of those characters with a fan base, so the expectations were really high yeah. for Sakura. Yeah. She was a matter-of-fact home run that was kind of a double, maybe a triple. She's won Evo Japan. She's had some tournament presence, but when she has popped up, she's done really well. And she's kind of middle of the pack in terms of CFN popularity. So she's got stuff going for her, but she's not amazing in any of those categories. But sort of undeniable. And the last one here is Ed. Ed is was a very similar in terms of, of like what kind of DLC character he was to Falk. But unlike Falk, 
Ed has always had a, a decent amount of attention given to him. He yeah. usually ranks just below Sakura in terms of CFN popularity. Yeah. But he's a brand new character. Like he doesn't have any momentum coming in. And yet he's he's and he's also meant for new players because he's got those more simplistic inputs and such. And it's like, hey, very, very clearly his function was to bring newcomers in and, and give them a character that they felt like they could I don't know about master, but control more quickly, more rapidly. And I think Ed's really served that particular purpose really well. And with the way they've changed him over the years, they've only increased interest in him. And every, like a couple of times after a couple major balance patches, people have been like, Ed's the new like character to watch out for and, and look out. And you know, you got people like Dominion back in the day playing him and Infiltration. And, and there's some really good Ed players out there like Corey Bell, I think was... Um, mm -hmm recently made a decent splash with them in tournament and such. And so it's like, it's hard to say that Ed's not there. And so I have these three characters. And now that I've given you kind of the pluses and the minuses of them, do you have any one of those that jumps out as, as like a, a more successful DLC character based on the, the kind of parameters that we've set out here? I'm still very fond of Seth. Uh, I do like Ed. I think Sakura is a distant third on this one, uh, just mm -hmm. considering her popularity and like just how many fans of her there is and just those fans not playing her. She needed to hit a higher level, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that just doesn't do it for me. But I do like the, the inclusion of Ed just on the simple fact that he, there was a lot of divisive stuff with his original design as he came out um, because, you know, he he is a continuation from Street Fighter 4 and Balrog's ending and stuff like that. He was present and people were kind of hype about the character and to have him have any traction whatsoever. And I think he's got enough to actually be a mainstay Street Fighter character now, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, you know, they, they've done enough with him. But Seth kind of takes the cake because of Street Fighter IV's boss. Uh, at that point in the game, there were very few hype characters you could add. And Gil and Seth both came in there. And if again, looking at the Intel World Open, like Seth is like the ultimate pocket character in this game. It's like, do you have a pocket Seth? It's like, okay, you're probably a pro player. And CN, of course, is still maining uh, um, him, her, they. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got other people like Oil King, uh, Gamer B, uh, Big Bird, uh, a bunch of others that are, that are playing him still and doing well with them and it's like yeah that's that's pretty good especially this game late in the game's lifespan where you're dealing with four or five years of corporate knowledge of you know Kami, yuri and balrog whatever and you have a brand new character who can make an impact that's not easy to do and and the fact that seth has done that like seth is is a clear winner here to me um but you know good case there for ed i'll go with it then so and you guys you guys heard what i had to say about ed and you can make your own decisions by commenting in the comments below right after you've subscribed there's a lot of people by the way that comment on this that haven't subscribed why not if you're going to watch it regularly and it's all the same to you help us out give us a subscription man i really appreciate it but uh anyways those are my uh those are our i guess i should say now because you helped out uh top five i guess technically top six with two <laughs> two honorable mentions seth being the uh, the final one there most successful or best DLC characters in Street Fighter V. All right, and that's all that, I had to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. See you.